The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Off the Shelf gives a voice to commercial service and product companies selling in the federal market. Roger speaks to members and government officials about procurement policy, trends, innovations, and debates. Now your host, Roger Waldron. Today my guest on Off the Shelf is Bill Gormley. Bill is the president of the Gormley Group. He also serves as uh, the chair of the Coalition for Government Procurement. Uh, Bill, first of all, welcome to the show. I hope your summer's been going great, staying cool. Been a hot summer. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, that's a good segue because it's going to get hotter. We're getting it. We're in the uh, the fourth quarter, the end of the fiscal year, um, you know, beginning of August. Uh, and so it's, I think it's a great time to sort of just, you know, talk again about what companies need to, think about how to position themselves for the end of the year buying buying rush so um and i know you, this is something that you um preach a lot about in terms of you know how to how companies can position themselves for success in the fourth quarter and year round frankly cuz you know um so what are your some of your key takeaways for that well i think it's uh you know you don't you know, sit back and wait for the orders to come in. I mean, some some will come in, but uh, I think it's the key is from a marketing standpoint, the companies need to go out there and be heard. And it, it's you know, it's more difficult now. It's got to be a you know electronic you know elect you know marketing and the uh, and with virtual virtual sales and virtual you know offices and everything. I think the companies, particularly on the product side, is as where the volume is, which I think most people know, but um, so if you're the products company, you just you just have to just get out there, and get your promotions out there early on. Uh, and if you have any things that are new, um, new product lines or particularly in the IT or other areas, then, then let, let it be known now, furniture and so forth. So those are the industries that, that'll that, you know, usually see an uptick in the fourth quarter, Roger. And I think that's uh, it's going to be the focus on how how do you get how do you get in front of the customer when the customer is every not that the customer hasn't been everywhere before but it's air they're everywhere now <laughs> right everywhere we're virtually right <laughs> virtual. yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, and literally in your neighborhood I mean that's right, how yeah. they, for all you know they're they're next door their office is next door <laughs> to your right. house right <laughs> so um, you know just yeah you know, just just keep the antenna up a little a little higher a little longer you know be ready for the last last rush at the last week and two weeks of the year yeah right well what uh and you know I know you've you've talked a lot about in the past like the role of Blanket purchase agreements, having those right. in place, and 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 then purchasing versus contracting. Yeah, I think the uh, you know we've seen a continued increase, and in the coalition did a study on it for your market report uh, that schedules. You know, I think surprised a lot of people. It represents uh, over fifty percent. I think it's fifty three, fifty four percent now. Dollar value of the schedules program, which I think is a for BPAs for BPAs. Yeah, excuse yeah, me, yeah, yeah, for yeah. BPAs. And I think that's a clear indication that company that customers want. It shows you the value from my viewpoint. It shows you the value of partnership. You know, where you have someone you have a good relationship with, and you want to maintain that. And you can uh, on both sides. It becomes a win-win. I know that that gets thrown around a lot, but. 
from a company standpoint, you know, they have to put the pressure on them to maintain their level of service and provide what the company needs. And then from a customer standpoint, you know, a reliable, you know, source of supply, whether it's services or products. Right. Um, it's, yeah. And the, and the fact that it, the BPA is all about, you know, leveraging recurring requirements and then being able to quickly place orders over time, which it seems to me be a perfect strategy for the fourth quarter. It means for year round, but particularly the fourth quarter. Yeah. And government, yes, government talks a lot about pricing and the BPAs gives the government a really good position to, to get a better, better discount, a higher discount on the more business they do with, uh, with the BPA holder and from a B, from the other side, the BPA holders willing to give that discount higher, you know, based on the actual requirements. So you can build all those into BPAs. I think that's a clear sign. It's 53, 54% of the business is BPAs. It's a clear sign that, that both parties have figured this thing out. <laughs> right. Uh, another avenue, I, I would think, you know, I don't think we, it'd be interesting to see what the data says, would be the use of the e-commerce platform during the fourth quarter yeah. as a, um, you know, sort of place people could go to quickly um, acquire goods and services. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, the fact that those, those I think it's three awardees have access to credit card holder information, basically, you know, I'm sure they're going to be sending notifications out and keeping, keeping, again, keeping in front of them as well. So I think that's uh it's a streamlined it's a streamlined program, and I think the agencies have, have, have gradually increased their uh, you know demand or their use of the e-commerce platform. I think GSA is looking at um, you know through the recompete, we'll be looking at an expansion of that program. Um, and then lastly, about this, and I go back to your original comments, sort of like knowing your customer. It it, it seems to me too one of the things that especially for small businesses. I know one of your favorite phrases is, uh, you know, don't try to boil the ocean. Um, You really have to identify who your core customers are during this time and who, and also who the spending profile of that, that core customer, see how much you, they're actually, you know, either waiting till the fourth quarter or just half, you know, that doesn't, they don't get their money until, you know, the third quarter and they're trying to execute in the third and fourth quarter. Yeah, I think, you know, everybody, regardless of how large you are, or how small, you only have so much bandwidth. And I think that's key to, you know, how, how do you leverage, you know, the identity of, uh, of the marketplace that's associated with what you're offering. And then when you do that, you have to start to mature that relationship. And then, uh, and I always, I always, you know, mention the clients, you know, you can really uh, get a feel for the experience of your sales team. Um, if they are very able to establish a BPA, because that that that's a clear sign of what you're doing, what you're offering is a value to the government. And so I think that's um, you know you, if you can get if you can get a couple BPAs in and, uh, and and leverage those, then that speaks well for you as a company. And I think you use that as a selling point to other agencies. Um, and 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 another, I have another question on this fourth quarter. So. So when you're, if you're, what role do you see GS as the market ma- maker GSA playing and trying to, you know, support the market, i.e., you know, the schedules or whether it's 
other you know programs that they have in place, particularly for products, um, and getting the word to the customer that we're here, you know, ready to support. You played well, that role back in yeah. your past. Yeah. And, I mean, to GSA's credit, they've increased the number. You know, it's all uh, online, but they've increased you know, the number of training um, approaches, both from a customer um, usage standpoint, from an industry, you know, getting on schedule standpoint. So I think those are um, a value to both, both sides here. And, um, and I think from a customer, you know, you, you know, people sometimes people say, well, God, how much training can the government use? Well, you know, there's people come and go in government, so different than a company. So you're always going to have a new audience. And the key is don't forget that, you know, don't, don't think you've had a success and then you can you know, leave it alone. You have to, it's like raising your kids. You got to pay attention to them. You know, it's a nurture, nurturing, caring and feeding, you know? And so that's, I think from the standpoint of, knowing knowing your market and staying on top of it is essential and i think with from in addition to that i think gsa and i know you've had you know multiple discussions uh in in the spring conference and since then with gsa you know they have to look at making it easier for industry to add and delete products it's interesting that deleting a product which you're no longer providing is as difficult now <laughs> to adding a product in the schedules program and the right. BPA side, I think, has demonstrated both sides, the government, the customer, user, and industry have figured out the value of the BPAs. Yeah. So, Bill, it's like, what would they say? How many times do you have to repeat something? That's the training piece of it, right? And then eight we are, times. Yeah, eight, yeah. Times. eight times. I was in seven. I couldn't remember what the right number was <laughs> before it finally sinks in. Uh, but that's what training's all about at the end of the day. And GSA does have a lot of training available for both the customers on how to use it and for industry as well. And then, you know, to your point, we're going to talk about, you know, additions and deletions and sort of some of the pricing, you know, um, um, anomalies, let's say, maybe that's a, you know, try a different word um, with regard to the schedules program when we come back from the next segment. My guest today is Bill Gormley. He's the president of the Gorman Group. He also serves as chair of the Coalition for Government Procurement. I'm Roger Waldron. You're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guest today is Bill Gormley. He is the uh, president of the Gormley Group. He also serves as chair of the Coalition for Government Procurement. And, uh, you know, we were last segment talked a lot about the fourth quarter and the role BPAs off schedule and just knowing your customer purchasing versus contracting, all those key things. But one of the things that uh, intrigued me, Bill, as you did talk about is uh, additions and deletions from your FSS contracts in particular. And it just sort of how that works. And, you know, the, you know, the, can you, can you just sort of address a little bit? You, you made, you said the statement that it, it's just as hard to delete or delete an item, an item that may no longer exist or be manufactured by anybody. It's hard to, to delete that item sometimes and it is to add products. Can you elaborate yeah. on that? Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know if I can tell you why. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, there's so many, there's, there's so many reasons. So I, I don't want to, <laughs> But but I think the key here is that it, it shouldn't be. So and we have we have some folks at GSA will say you can't delete your product yet, and then it actually you're like, well, no, we don't make it anymore. We don't offer it if you're a reseller. And they're like, no, you can't do that. So it's it's like that that it's hard to explain that it should just be a straight, you know, action that really it should be a contract 
uh, action, but it, it really shouldn't require any any approval. I mean, that's it just kind of goes without saying, I would think. But I think GSA, that's something GSA could work on to improve. But I think the the overall, you know, the program's growing, it's skills program. And I think sometimes you can get thinking that, hey, it's growing, so we must be doing something right. Yeah, they're doing things right. And I think what you know what we're focusing on is how is to address you know anomalies if you called that earlier things that are one-offs that really are having a major starting to have a major impact on on industry and and you know for contracting a lot of it, a lot of people want to focus on price instead of best value and so price and skills program is really taking a hit lately i think it's uh you know really slowed a lot down and there's some policy out there that i think we you know, we when we get into you know having modification requests and so forth, you know, there's been an emphasis on if you're adding products and you need to negotiate that, then you have to renegotiate the whole contract, Roger. And that's that's beyond you know anyone to explain it is is beyond me at this point. Why you wouldn't negotiate the whole renegotiate a contract when you're adding a mod to it? You know, it's sort of like you know, it's kind of a reverse. I mean, it's almost like a scope. It's a reverse scope thing, like. I'm adding a product, therefore, everything I already have on contract is now called in co- into question with regard to the price. That's, yeah. you know, that makes for essentially, do you really ever have, you know, a contract with some certainty for business right. to be able to operate with, if you're in that situation? And what's exactly. the incentive to, you know, what's the incentive to add products if right. every time I add a product, I've got to renegotiate all my other pricing? Um, right. So, so that, go ahead. And so sort of related to ads and deletes is the EPA, which is, you know, uh, been a major, major, has had a major impact on industry, whether you're scheduled or not. But in regards to the schedules, you know, it's GSAs has shown a, a high reluctance to accepting um, EPAs. And we uh, it's sort of all over the place <clears throat> in that uh, I know there's a policy out there that was, uh, put out, I think, twice, <laughs> and uh, or maybe it was put out initially, then updated. Yes. But but I think the uh, it, it, from a, the CO level, it just has not been fully accepted uh, that that you can accept, you know, inflation rates. And, you know, we have some contracting, you know, that contracting officers sir, will we'll, we'll just half whatever you're asking for and just say, you know, we'll, we'll get the other half later on. <laughs> you know, it has it. And NGSA is wondering why there's a high cancellation rate by industry. Industry cannot sell at a loss. I think that's, I think you have the customer side, service side, GSA is seeing that and reacting to it. And Herb's talked about it a lot. You know, you've had him on a couple of times, Roger, doing webinars and so forth. And he's got, I think he calls it the mod squad now or something. Um, but I think it's, it's clear that, you know he's he's shining he's shining some light on it on one hand, but on the other hand, you have he's operations and you have the policy side that's not really uh, gotten down to the working level that's to the contracting officer level either through training or just just personal acceptance by the contracting officers. Having said that, it's it's dragging the program, you know, down in regards to you know, being able to meet all of the uh, delivery times and so forth that GSA is looking for and, and should look for and expect it. But there's a, 
you know, there's a there's a difference there's a difference there, and they need to figure out what that axiom is and start to address it. Yeah, and um, you know the policy. I mean, some of the things that, that are interesting, and you were talking about e. Irv um, Keeler, um, yep. who is the assistant commissioner for general uh, serv- supplies and services or services and supplies. I always, but um, that's a big part of GSA in terms and FAS in terms of supporting the Department of Defense in particular, but other agencies from a product perspective and. Um, I think that the challenge, I think you'd sort of identified the challenge is some of the policies, there's kind of a disconnect between the policies and the market in a certain sense. And, you know, and the operationally Irv is trying to fill that gap. Um, but just one example that I know, um, you know, that, uh, you w- was formerly in the GSA solicitation is language is saying that, you know, you have prices would not be accepted as fair and reasonable unless there are quote, highly competitive as well. And, um, you know, I know um, that highly competitive language is creating a lot of um, bottlenecks in a certain sense in in the evaluation of offers. Yeah, we've heard that for about a year and a half that this highly competitive has kind of creeped into discussions more and more. And I know that you've, you've, uh, you know, brought this to the attention of uh, Sunny and and others at uh, FAS, and I think they think you've had some, you know, which is good. You, not that you've had success, it's the fact that they recognize that that really it was beyond, you know, what's in from a regulatory standpoint when you ask for how, like, there's no definition. And so I think maybe there was good. In, I think this is where you have the, for me, <laughs> you have, when you have policy, policy should be, policy should be working with operations and then they work through whatever policy is about to come out and particularly when it comes into this area and see what the unintended consequences are or, or try to identify them before you introduce them, you know, to the contracting staff internally, the operational staff, and then they can, the operational staff or the contracting officers are communicating this new, a new policy, such as a highly competitive industry and industry is trying to figure out what the heck you're talking about here. You know, and it's like a, it's like another layer of negotiation to try and get a better deal. And it sounds good. And but it doesn't it doesn't work. I mean, I think that's probably the best way to put it. And I think GSA's uh, conceded that that and is removing it. I think you're in a process that they haven't already removed that from the documents. But that's been out there long enough now. That it's going to take a while for contracting officers to fully acknowledge that they're that they no longer you know have that objective to get highly competitive and so I know hopefully that calms things down when you get into the uh, adding or the modification and contracting process so that's hopefully we can think of streamline that and there's you know there's there's other things that I think that that well, from a policy standpoint would be good if operations and policy sat down yeah, I, I agree. And we could talk some more about that. We've got about a minute left in this segment. And I know we'll tackle some other policy uh, 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 issues. We, you know, identified the issue about modifications leading to a, you know, the position that you have to renegotiate your entire contract. And then this highly competitive language, which does on the surface sounds, well, who doesn't want highly competitive? Well, first of all, it's not defined anywhere in any regulation. It doesn't appear in any regu- regulation that I'm aware of in the FAR or the GSAR, you know, and when, and we're talking about fair and reasonable pricing and we're also talking about pricing where 
at the end of the day, it's a, it's a contract vehicle that allows you access to the rest, to the market at the order and task order level. So, um, you know, just, um, it's just introduced a, a, a completely undefined unterm outside the context of acqui- of the, uh, you know, of the acquisition environment that sort of sets the framework contracts for the schedules program. So GSA is to be commended for, you know, actually, um, you know, removing that language from the solicitation, you know, the next step is, would be to make sure the policy documents reflect the the removal of that and focus on fair and reasonable pricing language in the FAR um, or in the GSAR. And then lastly, um, training to, to your point, you mentioned training the acquisition workforce and what this all means. So, and I know we, you know, we are at the break bill and when we come back, we can talk a bit more about some other policies or statements that um, uh, should be put into context, perhaps in the, in, you know, the difference between the policy and the contracts and what yes. does it really mean? So my guest today is Bill Gormley. He is the president of the Gormley Group and chair of the Coalition for Government Procurement. I'm Roger Waldron. You're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. My guest today is Bill Gormley. He's the president of the Gormley Group, uh, chair of the Coalition for Government Procurement. And uh, Bill, um, you know, last segment we talked about some of the, you know, interesting you know, pricing um, sort of anomalies, let's say. The idea that you have to, for mods, uh, there's positions being taken. That means you have to renegotiate the entire contract if you're adding a product. Uh, I guess I don't know what happens if you delete. Um, <laughs> um, perhaps you have to renegotiate then too, as well. But uh, then we did talk about um, the highly competitive language which GSA has, to its credit, removed from the solicitation and, uh, and uh, presumably updating its policy. You know, another area where there's policy guidance to the contracting officers, which uh, you know I'd like to get your take on. Is that the you know there's a charge to them, and I wrote a blog about this to leverage the collective buying power of the federal government uh, when negotiating schedule contract price contract level pricing. Um, what are your thoughts about that? Sounds good. Sure <laughs> it does. Good. I mean that's kind of I think that's about the extent for me on that. I think until you have requirements, Roger you know, to negotiate a discount, I think that in sort of the segue into, you know, the fair and reasonable, I think you mentioned in the last segment, I think GSA's the policy, you know, which had highly competitive in it is, 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 is really maybe unintended, but it's, it's, it's trying to get GSA to award contracts at a task order level, and a lot of and some people don't quite understand. Well, what's the difference between that and fair and reasonable? Well, fair and reasonable is based under similar terms and conditions. So, you know, GSA really doesn't have a lot any requirements when they're awarding it, right? I mean, there's a minimum minimum guarantee, and beyond that, it's like you know, you know, you have to go, you got to go hunt, go hunt for your business. And there's a cost to that, but I think GSA is looking at it as a, you know, some of the the pricing policy is looking at, hey, it's it's equivalent. The contract should be awarded to an equivalent task order pricing, which which means that's where the customer is actually interfacing with the GSA schedule holder and has some has some demand quantity or some dollar value associated with the discussion. And therefore, 
puts the uh, company into a kind of a commercial environment that allows them to react to uh, determining whether they want to uh, you know, offer a better deal than the fair and reasonable price that, that they have under contract. And I think there's a big, that's a big difference right there. And I think that's, that's a, it's an anchor almost dragging the program down. You can envision that, you know, trying to go from fair and reasonable pricing to award a contract to ask, actually trying to get task order pricing when you award a contract. You get task order pricing when you award a task order. And not, right, because there's not a real requirement associated with it. Well, exactly. also, you know, when you, I mean, to your point, to uh, just pull on a string a little bit more is, you know, you're at, I mean, it's like I think of, uh, you know, the movie Mission Impossible. You know, this time <laughs> guidance is um you know putting contracting officers in you know in an impossible position you know saying quote leverage the collective buying power of the federal government well the scheduled contract has a guaranteed minimum of $2500 that's it right then it has the ability to compete for task orders because there's statutory and regulatory requirements that agencies have to follow to compete for requirements on when you place them under the schedules program you know, that's it again. And then there's all the host of compliance issues about trade agreements at compliance and 889, all the different things that are of huge value uh, for the schedules program. And one of the chiefs, you know, you know, best value points of the program is vetting contractors and that best value. Um, but it's not a, you know, how can you leverage the collective buying power when it's not a requirements contract? You know, the government is not buy, promising to buy all its requirements from you as a contractor or from the, even from the schedules program. And there's hundreds of thousands of customers with their own buying patterns and requirements out there. So, I mean, again, it's just, it's guidance that's puts contracting officers because what, what business is going to agree to pricing based on a, no promise to buy anything other than a guaranteed minimum. So I would say that the government actually does uh, leverage its buying power, okay? But yeah. it's at the task order level. So right. I think that. So I think I think we, it gets lost into uh, well that you know that that among many other uh, companies, uh, many other agencies buying with a company that, that that's not leveraging. That those are all independent transactions. If the, if the government wanted to step up into a sole source for everything it buys, that would be leveraging the government requirements. And we know that's not going to happen, and nor should it happen, okay? But because right. the government could actually get a better deal because the market changes, <laughs> so you don't want to lock in on it. So, and I, and I know we're kind of out there a little bit, but on this pricing stuff, but I think that's, I think the net net here is, I think we got to get back to the acknowledgement of fair and reasonable pricing. I mean, it was, um, was from for two or three years ago, it was low price, technically acceptable was a kind of a theme. I think we kind of got away from that to some extent, um, or at least acknowledged it, trying to work away from it. And the fair and reasonable has kind of moved, you know, to, you know, task order pricing, which I think is hopefully GSA will start to give some identity to that and focus on that as well. You know, and I think like like highly competitive, and, and start to understand what you know what what policies out there, what needs to be looked at again. Right, I, you know, I just you know just thinking about it, you know, if you you know when you're 
been around as long as we have, Bill. Right? <laughs> Which is a good thing, right? At the end of the day. <laughs> um, um, I don't think but, I don't think our diameter's rolled over yet. Yeah, no, no, over. not yet. But um, um, but you just think about. I mean, uh, this language, like about leveraging the collective buying power. I mean, that's. I guess you could go. It made me think of the 1980s and early, very early 90s when the schedules, first of all, is very limited number of products, you know, and and it was a mandatory use contract, i.e., the government promised to buy all its requirements for those products from the schedules program. Well, maybe that language made some sense even back then, perhaps. But I know you're. I, I'm qualifying a bill saying perhaps it did, but at least you could maybe connect it to that. Today's market with the you know with e-commerce and everything else out there, you know, making that statement and putting that you know requirement on contracting officers really just doesn't make good business or economic sense. Well, I think a lot of people fall back on, you know, we have, we got to get a good, good deal for the taxpayer. And I, I'm not, we all agree tax, with that. We're all taxpayers. I'm a taxpayer. Yeah. But I think GSA has got to recognize that, that they're, they're a player in the market. They're not the market. And uh, and there's nothing wrong with that because there are other players out there, right? Right. right. So there's nothing wrong with it. There's any other government agencies out there that would be competing on maybe on, you know, on the services side and, and product side. So you have, you have, you know, you have NASA that that has its place and has its program, and they do a lot of products, particularly in the IT side. But they do services, so that you know, so when you're negotiating a schedule contract, you can't take the whole government market and think you're that you're representing leveraging the market because you're having other agencies, CIOSP, and all that. So that you know, I think we, I think we just, I think we should just kind of calm down and say, let's run this thing like a business and make it effective and efficient and a fair and reasonable price enables you to move a lot faster to get through modifications and uh, and hopefully have time for quick deletions or maybe just change the policy. And also, you know, getting a little more granular or maybe too granular, but GSA should clearly look at the uh, the area of, of checking on the, the financial you know capability of a company that's been under contract for 20 years and wants to renew a contract as one example why you have to check the finances again or at least don't go into the detail you go into now i mean it, th- those are the partnerships that you leverage efficiency and and you know and if it was the worst decision gs ever made they can always cancel a contract 30 days i mean it's just it's, i mean right. there's there's so many, there's so many, there's easy ramps here on and off and let's just, let's keep them open. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, to your point, like you do connect this all back to close out yeah. this segment. It's like task order competition, delivery order competition drives a value for the customer under the program. GSA spent lots of money and restructured the contracts to drive it to that point. The underlying policy seems to be in disconnect right now. And the number one point, I think, on this is that BPAs, the use of BPAs by customer agencies to lever their requirements shows that GSA has been successful in structuring that program in a manner that the customer likes and gets value out of. The underlying pricing policy is going to undercut that over time if it continues. Um, Anyway, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit, I think, maybe about, maybe we'll just get your Update, thoughts on update on transactional data reporting 
and then maybe a little bit on uh you know the uh the coalition's golf uh golf tournament coming up uh, joseph p caggiano memorial golf tournament on august 16th my guest today is bill gormley he's the chair of the coalition for improvement procurement he's also president of the gormley group i'm roger walder and you're listening to off the shelf on federal news network Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Walter. My guest today is Bill Gormley. He's the president of the Gormley Group. He also serves as chair of the Coalition for Government Procurement. And um, you know, the segment, I think we're going to talk about TDR, but I know you want to, uh, the cutting edge uh, you know, person that you are, Bill, you want to talk a little about machine learning and artificial intelligence <laughs> and its role in procurement. And I think TDR and that, and that data kind of, kind of intersects with artificial intelligence and machine learning perhaps a little bit as well. So yeah, um, your thoughts, Bill. Well, first off, TDR is not artificial. So we'll, we'll start with that. All right, all right. No, it's real. <laughs> it's the real it's market. Real. It's, real. it's a real right. market, right? right. So right. anyway, I think, I think it's, I think, you know, GSA was, was pretty much committed this time last year or maybe the fall of last year that, hey, they're going to do, they're going to fully implement TDR. I think they still have that, Objective, but it's been taking a long time, and and uh, you know there's people who don't agree with it internally in government and so forth. But I think it's it's it is the next step that it had. You know they have to speed up you know the contracting process, and this will give you know everybody a better, fairer price opportunity to to get products on schedule. So I think it, it gives the data that GSA is looking for that they haven't had before. Um, and then if there's ways they can look at that data and if they want to approach the market differently, then, then so be it. I mean, but I think that's, I think GSA should definitely, and, and we know that, you know, Sonny's mentioned it, that he's, you know, interested in pursuing it. So I think that's good on the uh, cutting edge side. I find, I find it interesting when, you know, one of your, when one of the folks here <laughs> went out and asked the general question that, if I was GBT or whatever, yeah, yeah. What if I right? Yeah. <laughs> so if, if if I was to go, if I'm a new contractor, if I'm a contractor and I want, I'm new to the federal government, and you go into artificial intelligence, like you know, what's the best way to to enter the market, enter the GSA schedules market? And one of the uh, the feedback on AI was that you're, in addition to the compliances and everything that that you're going to need to get an attorney or a third party to help you out. Now that, that right there, that's not, that's not artificial, but it falls under AI. I find that very intriguing. And that right there, you know, you have that poster that you're, you know, you're bringing all the conferences now have their hurdles back from 19, I don't know, 52 or something. It shows you AI even recognizes the, the challenges for anyone to move into a market that's new without getting help. And maybe you always need help. I'm not going yeah, to say it's hundred percent that way, but it's that it's, it's that much of a challenge to enter into an unknown here. And I think that's where, and I'm not going to say, you know, that that's all going to get cleaned up, but I mean, that's, I think a clear indicator to GSA that the policy side, I know we're, you know, maybe we're, talking about policy and, you know, dominating the conversation here, but it, it's, it's the program. And so I think that's where they're, you know, they just need to figure out how to make it, you know, more streamlined from an operational standpoint, which impacts industry. So hopefully when you do AI, 
you know, five or 10 years from now that they're, you know, it, it's, it's, it's very, it's a very, it's a very known streamlined process to get a government contract. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, that's an interesting, um, observation on a part of, uh, uh, to, that, that you need a consultant or a lawyer or a third other third party expert, so, so to speak, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. and it does, I mean, and it is logical for any new market you're going into, you need to try to figure it out. And whether that's in with your internal resources or external experts, you know, that's a business has got to figure that out. You know, one of the things, um, you know, is, it just kind of kind of struck me about the whole conversation here, and we did talk about policy a lot. Is that you know that it's not, and you mentioned it in when in the earlier segment. It's like policy development, however it's organized, whether you know the office is part of operations or separated to, to maintain you know that sort of eliminate kind of con- it's it still requires collaboration across. Right? Well, if we're, if you have a team writing the rules. You know, presumably you'd have policy and operations contributing to even the drafts and not one of those things where you just write something in the ivory tower and then throw it out there for people to look at. You know, you you work with the actual implementers to write that policy. And just as importantly, it seems to me, especially for a lot of these things that directly impact companies, you know, they, they should be exposed to to the public. There should be transparency. If you're writing rules and going to say things have to be highly competitive. Well, that directly impacts companies and the information they have to submit to the government to get a contract. And, you know, I would say argue by law that should be disclosed to, you know, for public comment. Do you have any thoughts on that before we turn to the yeah, golf you tournament? Touched, yeah, you kind of touched on a hot button there. I mean, as far as, uh, you know, I mean, if it's, an, it's a negotiation to it uh, and procurement, but, when when you're in when you're in the negotiation and the contracting officer is requiring a, a certain type of information and and then from a company they're like well, why are you asking for that they're like well I can't tell you I mean that is not a negotiation that, that's a divorce I mean that's right. like, <laughs> so so I mean you just there's nothing wrong with having a, a conversational why you're asking for it and so I think that's that doesn't go in there there's a lot of that and i think that you know people you, you kind of hide behind that there's you know you need to stand by what your position it industry has to stand by what its position is when they're asked to why you know you need to offer a better discount or you need to explain this or you need to have higher percentage rates for your subcontracting plan i mean the industry is asked to produce that and and when industry comes back and says, why do I need to get three invoices for every item? And I got a million items to determine refill the price. That's not streamlined. And then why do you need that? I mean, because I have to have it. And that, that's just, you know, what are you going to do with it? But I'm asking for it. So those are that that is clearly in line with what you were talking about. You know, we, it, it should it should be our relationship. And that's not a. It's not something that's improper. It's a professional relationship we're talking about. Right. And there's plenty of rules that govern how that relationship is already in existence. Yeah. Um, right. So just we've got about a minute left, Bill. And I know, sure. um, you know, one of the things I did want, we, want to mention is, um, you know, the, 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 the 10th annual, I believe this year, Joseph P. Caggiano Memorial Golf Tournament that the coalition will be hosting on August 16th at Whiskey Creek Golf 
golf club. Um, and we have a new sponsor this year. Um, so pause, uh, pause P A W S for purple hearts. Um, you know, and that, uh, that, that organization develops the therapy dogs, the service dogs that helps veterans, um, you know, dealing with, you know, their, their challenges, you know, uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome and that sort of thing. And, um, we're really excited to add, um, that organization to the beneficiary along with GW law school as well, who, where we have a scholarship established for veterans studying procurement. Um, and I think some of the dogs will be at the tournament. It's going to be a great time. Yeah. I think I shout out to you, Roger, and the coalition for extending this out now. I know we had the important initiative with GW and that's, that that's ongoing. And then, uh, how, how do you, you know, get that third curve and say how we can do something differently. And the, the pause, you know, Joe actually, Joe and his family actually had labs and so forth. So this ties into, ironically, I mean, it wasn't planned this way. It just, it just right. migrated. And it's a natural course of how, how can we help, you know, veterans, you know, either through getting a law degree or, or through the, the ability of these dogs and these dogs, you know, these dogs are expensive to, to get to the point where they can be released to a veteran. And uh, I don't know what that amount was. I mean, you had it at one point. Yeah, I think you know, I know it's over twenty thousand dollars a yeah, dog, twenty, yeah, twenty-five, yeah. thirty thousand. So, um, yeah. You know, and it takes a couple of years to train them to to be yeah. able to. All right, and it's a whole process because you have to ma- match the veteran to yeah. the dog. It's not just fear. Yeah, yeah. they go through all the screening process yeah. and everything. It's a. Uh, yeah. It's so a, it's a worth. Yeah, to your point, it's a worthwhile event for the listeners who haven't. You don't play golf. There's a veranda. And I'd be glad to share procurement jokes with you if you want or something that way. But I'll, you know, so if you play golf, it's a great, it's a beautiful course. Um, yeah. I, I don't want, I don't want to jinx you. I think you've had, I don't, you've had not had a rain, a total rain out. Of oh, hey, 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 stop that though. <laughs> Knock on wood. Knock on wood. And if you just want to learn more about Purple Hearts, sure. they have a website, or you can reach out to the coalition and we can get you the information or connect you to them as well. My guest today has been Bill Gormley. He's the president of the Gormley Group, chair of the Coalition for Government Procurement. I'm Roger Wilder, and you've been listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Tune in Tuesday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.